Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back. This is Joe, aka Joe, the Wellness Curator, and this is the Obsidian Mindset Podcast, where we are redefining what wellness means to you. Oh, so we're back again with another interview. I'm so excited to bring on my homegirl, uh, Alex. Uh, we worked together previously, uh, sister in fitness. Uh, so let me just tell you a little bit about who she is. Um, Tiffany Alexandra is, a, is on a mission to help individuals get and stay in the best shape of their lives for their entire lives. Uh, she is a NASM or National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer who believes that getting fit is only half the battle. Her motto is the journey to health and wellness is paved with awareness, dedication, and consistency. The goal is not to just get fit, but it's to stay fit. Tiffany Alexandra created Stay Fit Studios in order to help everyday people become everyday athletes. Now, let me say that this episode was just pure kiki. Although we're like both serious, we're both accountants, um, both talking about fitness and, you know, wellness is very important. Whole kiki, everything's funny. um, And we're just having fun. And you get to learn a lot about... uh, where her wellness her wellness journey started uh, started from like being a high school athlete to being active in college to literally being allergic to the gym and being literally sick in the gym um, and you know we also talk about how she becomes encouraged to run a half marathon and uh, do a Spartan race and to become a personal trainer and spoiler alert it's <laughs> me um, but she also lastly speaks about being a black woman and the capacity of childbirth the complexity of childbirth rather and how that affects her wellness and how she approaches her wellness now um so it's really dope conversation we hit on a few topics so i'm really 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 excited for you guys to hear her so here you go and please remember again if you ever want to reach out to me have any questions comments uh feel free to email me at joe at definedbyobsidian.com all right y'all All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, so excited to have Alex uh, on this show. Well, this Woo-hoo! is the Obsidian Mindset Podcast again. And excited to talk wellness, all things wellness with Alex. Say what's up, girl. What's up, y'all? <laughs> um, uh, almost Friday. Okay. So where are we starting? So I think where we want to start and where we always start is I like to get an understanding of what the person's wellness journey is or their story is in whatever way that rings for them, tr- rings true to you. So just let me know or let everyone know what your wellness story or journey is. Oh, man. My wellness journey <laughs> starts <laughs> with, uh, let's just say I was once allergic to the gym. <laughs> I swear I hear this all the time. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, why are you still saying that? All right, go ahead. Because it makes for a good story, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so no, 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 just kidding. My wellness journey, I guess, starts from being a high school athlete, I suppose, um, always being active. Um, and that's something I enjoyed doing. I played soccer in high school, um, but did absolutely no sports in college. I did the step team in college, but I never, the gym didn't see me. Let's just say that. Um, post-college life, I realized I was not active at all. So it's like rediscovering what being active looked like again, outside of like having my team sports. I didn't have like practice to go to. I didn't have games to look forward to. 
Um, so it was kind of discovering what, how I could stay active being, you know, an adult in this point in time in my life. I tried the gym several times, several, several times. I tried different gyms. I tried the wide. I was at crunch. I was at blink, went back between crunch and blink. I did plan a fitness at one time. I think that's about it. I tried the gym. I tried all of them. And each time I would say I was good for like three months, maybe like not three months, just kidding. Like three weeks, three weeks. And something will go wrong. Either my body be tired and I won't get up and like follow the cadence of whatever plan that I was on. And one day turned into five days, which turned into months and years. And then it turned into me finding another, another gym. And the cycle continued for at least like three, four years, maybe. <sighs> and <laughs> I would really get sick though. Like it's not being fake allergic. I would really go three weeks, maybe two, like three or four times a week, going hard, you know, getting my cardio strength training and I would legit be sick. So that's why I say I was allergic to the gym. And so what I did was I started actually collecting the workout, I guess, materials or tools at home. So for the sense that since I'm somehow allergic to the gym, let's try working out at home and see if that worked. And it did work and it get it got me to the mindset of, you know, making sure that I was still moving and being active, um, you know, without being in the gym. I then tried, this was my last try of crunch. I went with a friend to Zuma class, I think. Um, and I loved it. I loved it so much that I actually, <laughs> this is funny. I actually spent like eight hours of my life in a long Zumba training to get a certification that I never used. <laughs> I remember I was there. Oh, what a time. Watch one video or listen to one music to learn any Zumba moves. It was uh, an experience. It was a learning opportunity. <laughs> a learning opportunity at that. I kindly canceled that joint real quick after. But it was fun. Um, but not being exposed to, you know, knowing that I like Zumba, but don't like enough to teach it. Um, I was still going to crunch and I think this is around the time where maybe after, not sure what the timeline lines up, but I was, um, how do I say this in a nice way? I was encouraged. Here we, <laughs> we go. Go ahead. Encouraged to run a marathon. I settled for a half marathon. <laughs> compromise. That's a great compromise. I signed up with the encouragement of our dear friend joe hey y'all and the first two weeks into this training process i regretted it i was like why did i sign up for this <laughs> i signed up to run 13.1 miles but what they don't tell you is you gotta run at least like 40 
are like 40 to 50 miles in preparation for this 13.1 miles that you're going to run in like three months down the line. See, no one, I didn't read that in the five show. <laughs> that wasn't there. I muscled through. I trained up until about eight and a half miles. And then, you know, it was above me at that point. <laughs> not above me. <laughs> Whatever happened at the 8.5 was between me and God. <laughs> um, but no, that was a good, a great experience after the fact, right? When I look back on it, just the push through in me actually getting up at like 4 a.m. to run, you know, at the end when it became like six miles multiple days like to be able to do that it you know it felt great after the fact the day of the race not so much there was a may race it was brick cold and rainy for two hours i was running in rain and cold but you did that needless to say i did not have use of my limbs for about four days after (laughs) But it was fun. I was very happy that I did it. And I had a lot of encouragement. And, you know, a lot of people cheered me on through the entire process um, and even afterwards. So it did feel like a good, you know, thing to check off the list that I, that I didn't have. Um, sometime after that, I was then encouraged once yet again. You know, there's a pattern here. Okay. I'm noticing. <laughs> to... Uh, participate in a Spartan race, which is super cool. Um, we did a sprint. So it's about three miles um, of running. And in between the running, you have obstacles to accomplish, which is pretty cool. The training for that uh, was fun. A burpees. <laughs> it was filled with a lot of burpees. And I know you're like, burpees? Listen. If you don't do your obstacle, you have, I think at the time I was told it was 30 burpees. So in my training, I made sure that it was one thing that I could do. It was going to be them burpees. So I wasn't stuck at a station for too long. And I think it works because I knocked my burpees out. Everyone else is trying hard for them <laughs> for the obstacles. You're like, all right, let's just get to these burpees and let's move it because time. I knocked my burpees out. And I was I was probably like equally proud about my burpees as I was <laughs> in passing um, the obstacles that I actually did was that I was able to actually go through and do. Um, and I think everything just skyrocketed after there. I was working out in the gym when I was training for the Spartan. I had a trainer walk up to me and jokingly ask me, like, what are you doing here, here again? Are you trying to work here? And it was like, oh. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to work here. Um, then it was the inquiry about me passing my exams. At that time, I had bought the material, but didn't really study. Um, again, encouragement from someone else. Ah, to buy the material. Three. Three. <laughs> three, <for> three. <laughs> man, oh man, Joe. <laughs> but um, went through the process, studied, and did get my cert. And I started for, well part time as a personal trainer at Crunch. Imagine me, I guess this is about two years ago, being a trainer after years of me saying that I'm allergic to the gym. It is like 
a full 180, a totally different mindset about, you know, working out, about staying active and to the point where I wanted to take on the, the responsibility of pushing and coaching others to be their best selves. Um, and being a trainer for the last, I guess, two, almost two years now, crazy. Um, I've learned a lot, um, about how to go about coaching people. Even, I think it also helped me to kind of level up in my own personal fitness, um, in terms of, you know, being more educated on movements and muscles and, how to, you know, how to make everything work for my lifestyle, for what I need to be, you know, what I want to be able to do. Um, and I'm excited for, you know, where it can go after this. Right, um, depend on that one. Cause I got more questions on that, but, uh, what, so, so the, <coughs> where do I even start? Cause my name was, I feel like I need to defend my name a little bit, but <laughs> So what were you actually, so I think the main question, what were you actually allergic to? Like, were you allergic to the, the, the All right, so this is going to sound, so no shade, no shots thrown. The gym was just probably dirty. <laughs> I'm glad we, you know, yes. I'm glad they're, they're, they're stepping up their cleaning game because, you know. Yeah, that's probably all it boils down to. The gym, the gym was dirty. Got it. And I mean, you held your space clean. You brought your own stuff. Yeah, and I've first. been back to that same gym since. And, you know, in a post-COVID world, well, I would say like, well, you know, you post during this, Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't been sick since. So I'm glad that cleaning, COVID can come and help them clean up. <laughs> this is weird. Everyone needs a thing. They had their push and that was it. All right. Yeah. So I'm glad. From alert. We need a nice little tagline. Allergic to... I don't know. We're going to, we're going to think about that. Um, so I think one thing that you mentioned is, well, before we even get to that, one thing that I like to ask or acknowledge is that everyone has different intersectionalities of identity. And so being a black man and uh, for me shifts how I see wellness. So for you, I would like to know, or would like you to let people know what you identify as and how does that affect wellness, either your perception in the world or just how you have to hold yourself in the wellness space, wellness or fitness space? Oh, so this is interesting because I think this has changed <clears throat> a lot more recently with being a Black woman, understanding or like reading into the complexities of childbirth and how just all the nuances that are attached to black women giving birth that you aren't told about as a child. I'm like, Oh, you know, you fall in love, you get married, you have babies, but they don't tell you how much more difficult it is for black women in that entire process. And I think just learning more about that and wanting to make sure that my body is able to carry a child as healthy as possible has definitely been something that I'm like, you know, always keeping mind of in currently in my like wellness journey. Um, and then I would also say I used to walk a lot and then finding out that I had like a bulging disc like in my back brought me into Pilates, which I love, which brought me back to like being really mindful of strengthening my core. So kind of something that 
I used to do for aesthetics before, but now understanding that there is a real, you know, reason why you should have like a strong core and what implications that can have. And I think, you know, they both come full circle into making sure that my body, you know, can do what I need it to do years from now. I like that. So to touch a little bit about, and I love the the aspect of talking about Black maternal health and Black black women in pregnancy. What are some tools or some things that you've noticed yourself doing or thinking about um, even in this space to, I don't want to say get ready, but get ready so you can yeah. get, stay Pilates ready. Pilates is get ready. part of that. So I was introduced to Pilates as a way to rehab my lower back and core mm-hmm. and obviously you I mean I like to in, like in, indulge myself like engulf myself in what I'm doing so I do a lot of like listening to like instructors and like reading more about Pilates and the effects of it it's actually a great tool to keep your entire core intact and not just you know for abs but to make sure that everything connected to it is also you know good in a good place right so hip flexors because childbirthing you need your hips to push like all of these are I guess incorporated in childbirth but also good just for your body like to have a strong core it helps you know help you lift lift loads you carrying grocery bags whatever you're carrying right these are normal activities that you should you want you would want to be able to do and how your core plays a part in that like that so even so, even some of these tools, and as a black woman, how do you? And you mentioned before, uh, as a trainer, you're, you're enjoying coaching and uh, helping people level up for the most part. How do you see yourself as a black woman? Does that affect how you coach? Does that affect who you're coaching? How does that show up in the wellness and coaching aspect? So fortunately, I've had I've been able to train other black women, um, and I think a lot what I task myself with is to not just teach movements, but understanding behind why I'm asking you to do this movement, even though they want to whine and cry, like it's hard or it's too heavy. Just let them understanding, like, what's the purpose? Like, what am I trying to get them out of doing this burpee? (laughs) Like all the mechanics of a burpee and why, even though we all hate burpees, why are there such a good exercise? Because they are a good they exercise. Are, you know. They really are. Um, so just being more co- like really teaching and not teaching the why behind the movements, I think has been really important. Um, especially you know, when I'm training my you know fellow black women. I like that. And I think I think it's also important because you know, when you go to the doctor there's always this perception, especially for a black woman of just like the doctor says this, you have to do it because they said it. And they, a lot of health professionals, this kind of goes into cultural competency, refuse to give a why because they feel either entitled or they don't need to explain themselves. But the why is important. Um, one for their knowledge to make sure that they know what's going on and they can, they're able to do the stuff when they're not with you, right? They're not relying on you. And yep. two, you give them ownership of their own accountability, their own knowledge. Um, so that's definitely key. I, I definitely appreciate that. I hope people that are listening will take that away. Definitely ask why. I always, anyone I train, I was like, just ask why. If, if I don't remember to tell you and you have any questions, just ask why. And it also challenges me to know why. To know why. <laughs> and and don't, don't be afraid to challenge your trainer, right? Your trainer should mm-hmm. know why they're telling you to do this movement. Um, I guess one point example, I have a client who 
you know, overall wants to lose weight, but she has like knee issues. And so I told her like, yeah, we're going to work on, you know, increasing your cardio, do more hit exercises, but we're going to really also focus on strengthening your knee. And so there are a lot of like weird things that seemingly will be doing nothing, like just standing, you know, back against a flat wall, doing and raising your knee up and down. These are normal motions <laughs> for your knees to do on a regular day basis. You want your knee to be able to walk, like to do these things. And it's like, all right, this is why I'm doing it. This is how I can do it outside of training, like taking the extra step, make sure you're, you know, skipping steps, going up the steps to really exercise and strengthen your knee, like, you know, stuff like that, that up here in regular day, regular life, right? Being an everyday athlete is like something that I've been like, you know, striving towards like, yes, you don't need to be able to bench press like 250, but if you have to carry something on your back for whatever reason, you need to be able to do it or you should be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, my biggest task is being able to take the groceries in, in one trip. One trip. That's, that's my, that's my benchmark of my wellness. Can I bring all the groceries in one trip? Can I walk to the, the bus stop without heaving and, and, and sweating? Like these Can little you things. you go up the railway junction stairs and still have some breath? The stairs. Listen, the, those stairs, I don't, if anyone listening, if you've never experienced Maybe. those stairs, <laughs> stairway to pick whichever place you want. It's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of them. <laughs> Ooh, no, talk about no. a workout. But you know, it's funny because and, and, uh, <laughs> there are times, and this is more when I was in Brooklyn, about being like an everyday athlete and trying to find ways to get wellness into your life incorporated i would actually go to the next train stop um or go to trains each train stop i think i kind of had like a rating of how hard they were to get to the top or get out and which one was it that i always go to was it Bur borough hall one of them was just a big one i just always took it just so i can get some extra steps in um so what are some ways and all that to say what are some ways that you s sneak wellness into your your lifestyle Ah, this is a good one. Um, this is a good one. What are some ways that I sneak it in? I think I, I will kind of just kind of bring it back a little bit because now I do it and it's become so natural for me to do it that it's probably not sneaking anymore. Um, but there are definitely times where I took the stairs versus, you know, get on the elevator. Mm -hmm. I never did the train stop thing though. And I think <laughs> I never did the train stop because OCD a little bit, right? I don't, I'm so used to knowing what car I need to be in for my train stop that I now need to go relearn what car I need to be in for another train stop. <laughs> that ain't really sit right with me. <laughs> I mean, you can just walk the extra train, the extra train that you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I still don't, you know, try to avoid as much people as possible. I mean, yeah. but definitely the biggest thing is taking the stairs over the elevator and taking the stairs, like encouraging other people to take the stairs with you as well. And I think a lot of people get annoyed, but it's like, come on, cause take the stairs, making it a fun activity. I actually have my team take stairs during busy season as a part of like dinner breaks. And my manager was all for it. And we walked up the stairs to 40th floor, walked like down the 25th, like 15 flights of stairs. You said 15? 15, mm-hmm. Just because? 
yeah, it was our break. I I suggested it as a joke one time. She's like, yeah, sure, let's go. And we'll do it. We did it right before dinner. So we'll order dinner, uh, then okay. walk the stairs. And by the time we were like settled from being in the stairs, food would be there, we'll eat and, you know, catch this busy season second wind. Oh, gosh. What- but yeah, it's definitely stairs over... Um, Elevators is the biggest one. Um, I get a lot of steps in when I have to park blocks and blocks away <laughs> from my apartment. So that's, you know, like I said, it's become second nature. I don't, I no longer think about it as me like sneaking in exercise. I walk so much at this point that it's like normal. I like that. So with that, uh, you did mention, so you do your accountant by day or accountant is your main job and then you do training. Yes. Um, so how do you balance that? How do you, as, and this kind of goes into vocational, occupational wellness. How do you, yeah, how do you balance that time-wise, energy-wise? Um, compartmentalizing and timing. I know between the hours of nine and six, I need to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. and that's, that's that's all you're getting anytime outside of that like post six and before nine so at this moment I do train clients in the morning before you know sitting and sitting at my desk and doing work I am a trainer and then it's so it's funny because sometimes training will sneak into my nine to six so I you guys can't see or may not see but my gym in my apartment is very visible and I kind of did it on purpose you know outside of people having the virtual backgrounds and like the blurred backgrounds almost every new person I meet will comment about my gym and we will have a five-minute conversation about what they're doing for their wellness and that's happened a lot in the last like six or so weeks like at my new job so it creeps in and I think those other times where I kind of feel happy, right? It's like, you know, in my nine to six, I still got to talk about fitness in some way. Um, but it's definitely important to compartmentalize and not let either of them creep. It's, you know, you get the kind of like a gym high and like, oh, you know, I want to stay, but you know, I got to go to work. I got to be at my desk to go to work. Yeah. And the same thing, like, oh, you want to finish this task, but you know, you're supposed to have, you know, I got Pilates at seven and I got to travel. Yeah. So we're got to stop that six. I need to, you know, make my way to Pilates. It's really about making sure you are diligent and intentional about your time and how you map out your, your day-to-day activities. Um, and kind of going into that, how do you take care of your mental wellness during all this? So you're doing all the physical, you got the job thing going on. How do you take care of your Naps. Naps. <laughs> I feel like... If y'all don't know, if there's one person that I know is serious about their nap. Let me tell y'all, this working from home has naps. Priority. Priority. To the point where I even take like my lunch break that I designate for myself because, you know, you need a lunch break throughout the day. Don't let nobody tell you that you're not supposed to have a break during lunch. Boundary. And I would say just to be, mark it off in your calendar. Take Boundary. a break, lunch. Don't meet, put no meetings at this time. Anyways, there are often times I did, I think yesterday, I most definitely took a 20-minute nap during my break. Damn. Now, just to say, I have perfected the 20-minute nap. 
in college. There's a, there's a method. There is a method. And I can do, like, I've done research on it, really, because there's a, a understanding of the timing of your naps and why these, these specific times work and others don't. Um, and that's something, yeah, there's like 20 minute naps, 40 minute naps, but like hour naps are, you shouldn't do an hour. There's a whole thing going on, but I perfected 20 minute naps. I think one semester when I took 18 credits and I was just back to back in classes, plus work, plus orgs and all of the above. But I, I plan my naps, my naps will be taken. Things will be canceled. I will not show up for things that you try to plan last minute because my, my nap is scheduled. Period. Period. <laughs> I guess all on a similar topic, how how much sleep do you get a night? I my optimal sleep hours is six hours. Okay. Every and how much do you recommend for clients or anyone that's listening? I think it depends on you. The you know what you'll see out there everywhere is eight hours. But for me personally, eight hours is way too much sleep. Like I don't, <laughs> it doesn't sleeping for eight hours, it's like I've slept too long. I'm now like really drained. I don't want to, you get into that space where you like, you don't really want to get up, but you're not sleepy anymore. You just want to stay laid down. For me, six hours is like, I've slept, I'm up and I'm ready to go. There are some people who, for whatever reason, need eight to nine hours of sleep. Like they don't fully function on any less than that. Mm -hmm. And it's important to understand where you fall in that spectrum. Mm -hmm. Are you a six hour person? Are you an eight hour person? I would say the least amount for any functioning person is five, five and a half. Like I wouldn't go less than five for anyone. I don't think you can really function being up for 20 hours a day and sleeping for four. That is not in any way sustainable. Um, so I would say recommend between five and eight and a half, nine, but you have to know where you fall in that spectrum in work, you know, plan your day accordingly. So make sure that you're getting that the amount of sleep that you know you need. Your body knows you need. Yeah, I think that's key. I think one, knowing yourself. And two, like you said, being intentional. I think, and this happens to me as well. Like I'm intentional about the gym. I'm like, all right, I got my whole gym week plan mapped out. I know what's going on at work. I have my whole work schedule, 10 to whatever hour I end work at. <laughs> Um, but I have that planned, but sleep is always a afterthought. It's like, I'll see when I'm done with everything. One in actuality, I, I've noticed that I need to say, okay, 11 o'clock, I need to be in bed. Whether I'm going to bed at 11 is a different question. Probably not. But the act of going to bed at 11, usually I'm, I'm, I, I don't stay up that much longer after being in bed. So I think being more intentional about sleep, like you said, super, super key. Yeah. And to the point I'm probably like super anal about it. I have like the bedtime. You can set up like a bedtime on your phone. Oh, I um, I set up to a point where I think after 11, my apps, like I have to do like an extra step to get into my apps. Like they, sh they don't shut off, but it's like, it's in bedtime mode. You only like, I don't know how to explain it, but there's, there's bedtime modes on your it's phone. A <laughs> Strong deterrent. <laughs> Yeah, to, to make sure, like, when you scroll through Instagram, it's past, like, 11 o'clock, like, come off. Or also setting time frames on apps for the entire day. Like, you spend, you know, you get allot yourself three hours a day 
on Instagram, but that gets into a whole nother <laughs> realm of things. Yeah, that, no, but that's necess- necessary. I've, yeah, I don't know if this is a thing, but I've, I was on TikTok because, you know, I'm, I was, I've been like perusing. I haven't mastered it yet, but there's apparently like this thing where it's like, it tells you when you've been on too long. And they'll like be like, "Oh, you've been on for a while. Do you want to get up and take a nap, or like do something?" And I was like, "On TikTok?" Yeah, I was like, That's "Oh, wow!" Cool. So let me turn yeah. this app off. <laughs> it told me to chill out. So yeah, I think, you can yeah, set I think, that up on a lot of your social media apps on your phone now. I think literally, I've heard people like put timers on when they start because it is so easy to get in that Red rabbit hole, <laughs> huh, or black hole. Anyway, um, so next question is sponsored by obsidian hello and it's the deep dive question where we talk about one question super easy super you know chill and then we dive deeper to the next question so i'll let you choose between one and 30 pick a number and i'll get you a question seven seven is like seven your number yes it is my number okay all right, Randy, first question. Oh, of course it'll be a finance question. How are you building generational wealth? <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat? How are you building generational wealth? I am building generational wealth. One, I've been doing a lot of re-education of other sources of income. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've all been stuck in this wonderful nine to five cycle that I am eager and yearning to get out of. Um, I think that right now is like my biggest project in being able to build like real generational wealth, right? I, you know, did did the norm, like, you know, you have a savings fund, I have a budget, I follow the budget, but you got to do a little bit. For me, I think I feel like I need to do a little bit more than that, um, especially if I want to be able to set up you know, my kids, my grandkids and set up like, like a system in place Mm. that no one person, no one generation can, you know, screw it up. Um, and really understanding how to, you know, build foolproof, um, flows and sources of of income. I was about to say controls (laughs) (laughs) processes. That's accountant talking y'all. Sorry. Uh, it slips out sometimes. Uh, so <laughs> ready for the next question, dive yeah. deeper question. What are some non-financial skills? And you actually mentioned like screwing up the next generation. What's in some non-financial skills that you want to pass down that goes along with generational wealth? Non-financial skills. So not the savings and not the actually giving the money, but what, what are some, maybe soft skills? Maybe that's a better question, better, uh, reframing. I just a, a, an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, also the mindset that, you know, you work for your money. You don't have to be saving and investing and do all this. Stuff. You go buy your Birkin. <laughs> you buying a Birkin? I don't have a Birkin, but <laughs> like you can do that too. And I was like, personally, I've been on both extremes of like, just eating the bare minimum so I can save money and really understanding um, like, oh, you know, I need, I can buy, you know, Abby Park got another job and then she got another job two months after that. I can buy all these. You got them budgeted out. But you didn't find a nice healthy balance in the middle where 
you can do both and not feel guilty on, you know, and be on one, one spectrum or the other. Um, I think just the mindset, right? Like you can teach the, the tools of budgeting, but with the wrong mindset, you can fall into like, you know, one spectrum of like, I can't spend any money. I need to save, 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 save. Or like, oh, I make all this money. I can spend, 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 spend. So I think the mindset is going to definitely a key factor along with, you know, tangible tools. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So I think the last question I have or the last request is what are some tips and tools in your toolbox that you want to give people listening regarding wellness? First tool. Let's go. I mentioned this earlier, plan your lunch breaks, plan your eating. I am a foodie. I like to eat. I don't miss meals. <laughs> plan your eating. You plan everything else throughout your workday. You need to say at from this time to this time, you're going to eat. And things happen. I totally understand that. There's plenty of times where I've moved my lunch time, but I've never moved it off the calendar. And I think that's what's important, right? Something, a task comes up, a random meeting comes up, something else goes straight, you need to spend more time on this than you thought. Move it, but don't delete it. Like make sure that you actually take the time out to eat. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> nap time. <laughs> Just reiterating the same important keys. Listen, you got to sleep. That's real. That's real. And sometimes your six hours or seven hours on a regular day is sometimes not enough. Mm -hmm. I take habitual Sunday naps. I've been taking Sunday naps my whole life. All my life. <laughs> All my life. I'm going to take those Sunday naps. And they hit different. Find some time during the weekend most most times on the weekend is the time you take naps i would say after work naps are don't do it that's risky it's very risky you often oversleep then you can't go to sleep and you mess up your whole sleep cycle so i would not recommend after work naps so if you do want to take naps like outside of like you know 20 minute naps the weekend um i think sleeping and eating and scheduling those things into your daytime is obviously super basic but often like so like often forgotten because because of how basic it is mm -hmm. um another tip i would say budget your energy the same way you budget your money mm -hmm. um easy this kind of just plain and simple just like that <laughs> budget your energy um that's another tip is find a group of people to like that you can talk about everything with. And I think it helps kind of like have, you know, mini venting sessions, just like, oh, you saw this. What do you guys think about that? I think, you know, I've been fortunate to have groups like groups like that. And I think it's helpful to not have all your like your weird thoughts like bottled up. Um, and to be able to like, hmm, I saw this and I thought this, what y'all think, right? Mm -hmm. It can be from serious to not be like something not serious, um, but it definitely helps to keep your creative juices flowing, that you're not just like locking all these random thoughts that you've, 
you know, you saw something, you had a thought like, hmm, and then you kind of dismissed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to be able to have a free range to speak um, <laughs> in a group of people. <laughs> Sometimes you want to vent about burpees and you don't have the right people to talk to. So that's- No, that is so real. Listen. Like, so well, sometimes you want to vent about financials not tying. And that could, go get it. <laughs> go to an account. get it. So I think it's super important that you find people to vent in, you know, whatever areas of interest that you have or people who are open-minded, regardless of uh, whether or not they're interested in those same things, are open-minded and can really, you know, be a sounding board sometimes or just a white wall to bounce ideas off of if you need. I think it's super important to have people like that, resources, like, you know, at your disposal. Perfect. I love that. We'll end on that note. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alex, for being on. Uh, Appreciate it. Um, And we will catch everyone later as I like to end. Thank you for picking you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Later, y'all. Bye, guys.